0: Matty Hayes, you there? What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. This is pretty cool. I've never used it before. Yeah, this is a pretty cool app. Uh, so welcome in to Ohio versus the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss the Buckeyes, Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, the Blue Jackets crew, Bengals, <laughs> Reds, and more. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today I've got a solid podcast laid out for you. First, I'm going to talk to Matt Hayes about the Nebraska game. Maybe jump into the Cincinnati game last night. Did you watch that? I uh, did,
1: man. I okay. did.
0: sweet. And then we'll uh, talk a little bit about the Michigan State game coming up this Saturday. Uh, Then once he hangs up uh, solo by myself, I'll talk about college football as a whole. Talk about the Blue Jackets versus the Dallas Stars, Cavs versus Thunder, uh, Browns versus Falcons, Bengals versus Saints, and then the Crew versus the Red Bulls this Sunday in the semifinal second leg. So first I'll start with talking to Matt Hayes. He's from 97.1 The Fan, producer of Carpenter and Rothman, and also co-host of Locked on Buckeyes, I believe. So how you doing, Matty? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, man. Good. Um, it's allergy season, so I'm not doing great, but <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting there.
1: I hear that, man. Usually my allergies kill me during the spring. Right now when the weather cools down, I'm pretty good. But uh, no, during the spring, I feel your pain, brother. It hands yeah. Me hell, that's for sure. yeah, mine are yeah.
0: indoor allergies, so like once, gotcha. once it gets cold outside. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right, sweet. So you said you watched the game last night. So that was the first thing I wanted to talk about with you. Uh, last night's yeah. Ohio State versus Cincinnati game. Um, give me a few takeaways, if you will.
1: Man, I just think the first thing that jumped out to me was
0: a carryover from what we saw last
1: year, um, by a Chris Holtman led team, right? When you talk mm-hmm. about on the on the defensive side of the ball, they're gonna be really good. Now, when you talk about um offensively where are the buckets gonna come from, Katie Bates Diops playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves right now, and he's a guy that gave you twenty a night and you, you lose a lot of leadership with Jay Sean Tate. I think that's gonna be the one question mark I have moving forward. Uh Caleb Wesson going to be a really, really good player. CJ Jackson, I think, is going to shoot, shoot the ball well from three. But uh, the guy that I'm really excited about, and he jumped off the screen to me yesterday, was the freshman Luther Muhammad. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. defensively, uh, we knew defensively he was going to be a, a really good perimeter uh, defender. But offensively, man, him giving them, I believe, 11 points last night uh, was really special. Had some clutch buckets, man. So that was really encouraging. <laughs> I, I just think that's where they're going to make their coin. Uh, this year man is on the defensive side of the ball that Chris Holtman is really drilling that into his teams man that you have to play defense and lock up for the entire game or you're not going to play and I think that's going to be a positive thing moving forward I think Washington uh, the other freshman is going to be a really good shooter and they're going to need that from him I know Chris Holtman mentioned that uh, during the recruiting process that that's something he's going to be able to do really well and help this team so no I'm encouraged man I, I just think this year when you look at the offensive side of the ball, I think we're going to have some games where it's going to be like we saw last night. I mean, it was an ugly game offensively for both teams. And I know it was the first game of the year. I know they played some exhibition games as well. But, you know, man, when you had that that environment down there in Cincinnati with that new building that they were opening up, I'm sure a little some of those guys were a little rattled. But overall, man, I was really impressed. And uh, that's a huge win to start the
0: season for sure. Yeah, that was a big win. But like you said, uh, the defensive effort was pretty crazy last night and that's a lot of coaching and that's a lot of just defensive It comes down to a lot of effort so it's good to see the heart is there from those guys but yeah I mean the defense was great uh, I thought Caleb Wesson was was solid last night he was a big reason we won with all those rebounds and then Kyle sure. Young was a, a little bit of a breakout performance last night I did not yeah. know much about Kyle Young but he played well I think he had like eight rebounds and 10 points and he had a solid game I think he's going to be getting a lot of minutes now that Micah Potter isn't on the team yeah no
1: I think I'm glad that you brought him up because I think um, that's a credit to his dedication, but it's also a credit to this coaching staff because you remember uh, the last couple of years with Thad and his coaching staff, for whatever reason, it just didn't seem like the guys were developing like they needed to. They would come back and kind of be the same player that they were the year before. Now, whether that's mm-hmm. coaching, whether that's the guys not putting in the work in the summer, um, who knows what it was. But now we've seen over the last two years, even one off season with the guys from last year. I thought those guys got better, and now you're talking about a guy like Kyle Young really getting a whole year with his coaching staff throughout the summer, the the weightlifting, all of that. Uh, Man, he looked like a whole new player, and he's going to be needed because of Micah Potter deciding to transfer. I mean, if Caleb Wesson gets in foul trouble like he did last night, He's going to have to step up. He stepped up and balled out in the big way. So, it's really encouraging. I mean, I think all Buckeye fans, Buckeye Hoots fans especially, should feel really good about where this team's going to go. And you remember the narrative to start the year last year. Mm-hmm. They were picked to be at the bottom of the Big Ten, and they shocked everyone. So, um, I'm not going to be surprised at all. If this team is very, very competitive, and they surprise some people again. Now, I think the thing to really get excited about is what's coming next year. when You look mm-hmm. at that recruiting class. And you're going to have some dogs coming in that are going to be playing in the NBA in a few years. So, no, it's, it's really good. It, it's a really good vibe around the Buckeye basketball team right now. You've got to give Chris Holtman a ton of credit because he's coming in right now, and he's just killing it, man.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, like you said, Luther Muhammad, though, I mean, he just seems to have that it factor. We saw him doing some trash talking last night. Uh, getting, love it. I love it, man. Yeah, and I love it, too. Um, I was saying you don't necessarily want to have a ton of guys like that on your team, but you at least need one of those guys on your team, a guy that fires everyone up and trash talks like that.
1: I agree. And uh, I can't remember who the guy was from Cincinnati, but he hit a three on Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Muhammad comes right back down, hits a three on him, and <laughs> he lets him hear about it. And that's, look, you know what that is? I'm from Baltimore. I got some East Coast in me. He's from Jersey, so I know <laughs> how that is, man. You take that personal, and he has that edge to him, and you're right, man. You don't need a lot of those guys, but you just look across the NBA, look at the Warriors. They got a Draymond Green. Everybody needs a guy like that that can agitate the other team, but he's got to be able to play well, and I'm really encouraged by him. He was the guy I was most looking forward to seeing play uh, yesterday, and he really impressed me, and, and then some. So, no, this team's not going to lack edge, that's for sure, and that's an encouraging thing because um, of the departure of Jason
0: Tate. I was wondering where that edge is going to come from because you mm-hmm. know Jason Tate he was a dog and he brought it every night. Yeah, no doubt. And that was a good win, but not only was it a good win, it was a resume building kind of win. Um, Cincinnati's sure. probably going to be a pretty good team this year. And that's a win you want to get if you want to, you know, because they're going to probably be a bubble team. At least, I mean, I hope not, but there's a chance you're going to be a bubble team going to this yeah. tournament. So that could be a big win right there. Yeah, no doubt, man. I agree with everything
1: you just said right there. And it's just all about taking care of your business. I think the good thing for this team is there's not a ton of expectation, so there's no pressure. Now, mm-hmm. next year, next year that's going to come. We talk about Muhammad coming back in Washington and that big-time recruiting class yeah. um, that Chris Holtman put together. Then that's going to be some uh, weight on their shoulders. They're going to have to bear that. But right now, they'll be – uh, another year of being a surprise team. And I just think, man, they're going to be a pretty darn good team moving forward. And uh, no, I'm really encouraged. And I'm excited to watch them every single night. It hasn't been that way the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, I would say, watching the basketball team. But to me now it's appointment, uh, appointment watching. No doubt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No doubt. So uh, jumping into football uh, last Saturday, Nebraska came into the shoe at noon Eastern and uh, they looked pretty good against the Ohio state. Final score yeah. was 36, 31 Buckeyes. But I still think even with a five point win against a two win team, I think there was still a lot of positives. Um, mm-hmm. We came into the game knowing that there was a lot of problem areas, the red zone offense and the rushing offense and then the defense. So the red zone got a lot better. Uh, four drives in the red zone. Three of them resulted in touchdowns. And then we had 250 rushing yards between the two running backs. Obviously, the defense was still a little bit of a problem. But what were some of your takeaways from that game? The big thing for me was I knew coming into the game, the
1: running game was going to be a point of emphasis. I knew mm-hmm. we, we heard all throughout the bye week, whether it was from, you know, the coaches, some of the players um that that was what they were working on in practice was the red zone offense and running the ball and to me um it was encouraging but i i'm still not to a point now where i feel really good about this team now they only have one loss there's a lot ahead of them but when you talk about what's coming up this saturday the number one rush defense in the entire country Mm -hmm. um to me I, i still don't feel really good about where they are was it encouraging to see them push nebraska around yes but a lot of teams have pushed Nebraska around, especially on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. So now you're talking about going up to East Lansing where it's going to be really cold. I mentioned the rush defense. How are they going to respond? Because all off season, we heard about how this Ohio State offensive line was one of the biggest offensive lines in the country. And I thought they started off pretty well. Uh, JK had a really good game down in Jerry's world at, against TCU. But after that, ever since then, it's been very inconsistent. And even the last couple of weeks, uh, minus the Nebraska game, it, it's just been a poor effort from those guys. We've seen 3.5 yards of carry somewhere in that window. Like that's just not acceptable Ohio State football. And I understand you've got a new style of offense you're playing where you got an NFL quarterback and he's got a, he's going to get to throw the ball a ton, especially with these veteran uh receivers that they had coming back with Paris, Johnny Terry and KJ and all those guys. Um I understand that, but you got to be able to establish the run a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest thing for me. And then on the defensive side of the ball, man, they got major problems. They got major problems. That was really discouraging to see them come off a bye week know they have a true freshman quarterback coming into the shoe and not be able to stop them losing at halftime uh, to me was just a shock so no I mean I don't know if I should be shocked anymore because we've seen this from week one at at home against Oregon State all the way down to Nebraska that this team has historically been one of the worst defenses as far as in Ohio State history, as far as giving up big plays. And you just got to wonder uh, what's going to happen on Saturday. And I know Luwerki's banged up a little bit. I wonder how that's going to work. I know LJ Scott's been banged up. They've lost some, rece- some receivers. Michigan State has. So I don't know if Michigan State can put up a ton of points, but offensively, what is it going to look like, especially going up against the Spartan defense that's really good, man?
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. The defense was. It's still a problem Saturday against Nebraska, but one of the shining stars, I'm sure you talked all about it on Locked on Buckeyes, is Brandon White. Yeah, and one of my questions for you was, Do you think there's more Brandon White sitting on the bench? Uh, there better not be, he better not be on the bench. I, I, I to me, when you
1: have um, the lack of juice that this mainly the secondary has had all year long, and you mm-hmm. see a guy like Brandon White come in and play with that edge, play with that swagger. Um, lead the team in tackles last week, which still isn't a good thing. Because when your safety's <laughs> leading the team in tackles, that means the guys in, in the front seven aren't doing their job. So we've seen that a couple times this year. Jordan Fuller's led the team in tackles for a couple games, but no, I loved what I saw. And whatever it is, whether it's with Sean Wade, uh, Went, uh, Brendan White, you have to find the guy that is going to sure um, be the safety net for this defense. And Brandon White seems to be that. You got to have a sure tackler back there because the linebackers for the last couple of years have not been living up to that silver bullet, um, you know, pedigree. And look, we also got to be real about it. There's a lot of cats on Sundays right now that played for mm-hmm. Ohio State that are making big-time plays, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And those guys are um, those guys are really good players. So you lose guys like that, eventually it's going to catch up to you. And I think that's where we're at right now with this defensive unit. And we also mm-hmm. got to remember the best player in college football um, is out training in California with his brother. And I totally understand that. But when you lose a guy like that and that elite pass rush ability and how the offensive line has to shift all of their attention to him and how that changes things for Draymond and B.B. Landers and Chase Young, I mean, it's just a whole different dynamic of what they're having to deal with this year when you lose a guy like Nick Bosa. But, no, it's not going to be surprising at all if they stumble against Michigan State because you cannot correct the mistakes that they have right now in week 11. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just too late. This is who they are. They're going to have to outscore people. Uh, I'd have a chance to win games.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I guess the question I really wanted to get into with Brandon White was, do you think there's more people like Brandon White that are probably better than the starters sitting on the bench? That's an interesting question.
1: And it's something that Brandon and I have talked about a lot on the uh, Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Mm -hmm. Man, there has to be – now, maybe not talent-wise, I don't know. But I think the one thing that's been bothersome to me this year has been the lack of just dog in some of these guys. Because the defense is just not um, playing with that edge right now. And that's really my biggest problem is, like, it just seems like they're not. You remember Chris Worley and guys like Mm -hmm. that and Von Bell. Like, they would be up in your grill letting you know that we're here. And I don't see that this year for whatever reason. So, no, if there's a younger guy on the sideline that is going to give you maybe more effort, then I would roll with that guy. But they do see these guys every day in practice. But it does make you wonder where you see a guy like Brendan White Um, why he didn't get more playing time, especially Mm when the coaches week in and week out are still studying the All-22 film
0: and they're seeing the same guy struggle every game. Yeah. All right, so uh, I guess we'll jump into Ohio State versus Michigan State now. One of the big things will be it's a strength versus strength matchup, Ohio State's offense versus Michigan State's defense. What do you expect to see in that matchup?
1: I expect to see a low-scoring game, lower-ish scoring Mm -hmm. game because I, I respect the heck out of Michigan State. Um, I respect the heck out of D'Antonio, and what I really, I really think is something to keep your eye on is something that I pointed out in the Purdue game. When you got a coach like Jeff Brom and you got a coach like Dino, those guys are risk takers, especially on special teams unit. You remember the Penn State game mm-hmm. against Michigan State, where Dino goes for the <laughs> fake field goal. Things like that you got to keep your eye on. And, and when you and when a team like that knows that Ohio State is kind of like the woozy boxer in the ring right now, and it's only going to take one knockout punch to really put them on the mat. I would be keep your eye out on things like that. Now, offensively, I think the receivers are going to have to win this game because uh, we talked a little bit about it a couple minutes ago. I'm still not encouraged by the offensive line in the running game. I just don't Mm -hmm. think you'll be able to go in and move the Spartans around the way you did against Nebraska. So, Dwayne Haskins, show us what you've been showing us all year long. I know he didn't have a great game up to his standards last Saturday um, at home, but I really expect them, weather permitting, to come out and really produce the tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. I think that's how the game's going to be won. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, when you look at McSorley – I'm not McSorley, I'm sorry, Lewerke, how banged up he is is going to play into the game and how they call their game plan. So I think what Ohio State should do is try to put as much pressure on him as possible because I don't, I'm not really scared of the outside weapons for Michigan State. Now, I know that's a bit of a risk because of the way the defense has been, but you put pressure on that quarterback, bring some of those safeties down, <clears throat> a linebacker blitzes off the edge. I really think you can do some damage there, but no, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing because I thought it's a great point you mentioned with strength versus strength because that takes me back to the Purdue game, and I think mm-hmm. that's why I wasn't surprised when they lost because of the strength of Purdue's passing game versus the lack of uh, pass defense for the Buckeyes. I knew that could get a little sticky, and I think this week if the weather is bad and you can't run the ball how is Ohio State going to be able to produce points? Excuse me, passable. How are they going to be able to produce points? That's going to be something to monitor for sure. But you know how this goes, man. When Ohio State plays Michigan State, minus last year, when Ohio State plays Michigan, uh,
0: these games get tight because uh, that's just how it works in the big Ten. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably be a close game. Uh, we've seen it a lot lately, the 17-16 game, 17-14 right. game. But like you said, it's going to be maybe some flurries there in East Lansing Saturday. So if we can't yeah. throw the ball or at least throw it as effectively as we usually can, that could be – a big hindrance because they have the best rush defense in, uh, in the country, like you football. said earlier. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, And all the football. And when you look at, you got Maryland next week, and then we know what's coming with Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan, Michigan right now is the darling um, of college football, and rightfully so. You got to give them their credit, the number one overall defense in the country. You get a guy back like Tariq Black, who I think <laughs> by the time they come down here to the shoe, he'll have his legs under him. Uh, They're going to be a a handful to deal with. Karan Higdon, seven straight games of 100-plus yards on the ground. They don't need to focus on that, but this is the type of game where you're going to measure yourself to say, hey, you know what, are we ready to handle that? Because Maryland should be just fine. I'm going to say emphasize should be just fine (laughs) because we don't know with this team every single week what we're getting. But, man, um, the next three games are just paramount for Ohio State because all is not lost. I just think a lot of Buckeye fans have this weary feeling about, um, this team, and they're a loss or two away from maybe maybe one loss away if they lose this week from the season crumbling. I would really yeah. worry about the psyche of the team if they go down to the Spartans this week.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I think if they lose to Michigan State this week, then all bets are off. They can lose to Maryland. Maryland. They can I, lose I, to I, Michigan. They can I, lose to everyone. I agree.
1: I I agree because uh, just everything from, you know, the summer, we don't even need to get in that, but you know what happened mm-hmm. this summer. Uh, then you have the Nick Bosa thing. Then you lose Austin Mack all that stuff going on. Then you got Urban sitting down with uh, four beat reporters here at Ohio State talking about his health and mm-hmm. people worried about is he in or is he out next year. Then you have the story about maybe some in-house fighting from footballscoop.com. It's just been so much going on with this team this year. And then when you talk about the X and O stuff, not necessarily going in your favor a lot of the times, especially on defense, um, that's where you're at right now. But like I said, it's all, you only got one loss on your resume, mm-hmm. but we've seen, how last year, how that one embarrassing loss to Iowa can just cripple um, your chances of getting to the college football playoff? Because the committee told us last year a championship caliber team should not get embarrassed like that to a team like Iowa, and it happened mm-hmm. again to Purdue. Um, so it's going to be tough sledding for them to get in this year. I, I would just, I would be happy with them um, getting to the Big Ten championship game, winning that, and playing in the New Year's Six Bowl. Because to me, I just look at Alabama, I look at Clemson. And I just – even Michigan right now, I just don't know if they're on that same level. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because not every year you're not going to win a national championship. I think some people just need to be
0: real about what this team is and uh, just keep it pushing, man. Yeah, no, Dad, I think like we saw last year, they uh, won the Big Ten. They won the Sugar Bowl or Cotton Bowl. I can't remember which one. But, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a successful season. I like winning a New Year's Six Bowl, winning the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, you didn't make the playoffs. But I still consider that a successful season. And if we see a similar thing this year, I know the Rose Bowl – is it one of the two playoff bowls? So if they do win the Big Ten, then they can go on and win the Rose Bowl too, which would be nice.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And look, I mean, we got to face the Buckeye fans, you get spoiled, man. You're, you're, part, of the, you're part of the 1% club mm-hmm. in college football. I mean, and every year you expect to win a national championship. But I just think when you look at this team with your eyes, it should tell you that they're not a national championship caliber team right now. I think offensively they can be that. But with the run game, uh, the way it's been, I can't really uh, stand up for them in that way. But, man, you you saw what Alabama did to LSU mm-hmm. at their at their crib at night. I mean, they're just a juggernaut <laughs> right now. I mean, Dabo said it two weeks ago in the college football playoff. It's Alabama and everybody else is on the Rory bus, the rest of y'all yeah. bus. And that's, that's just the way it is. But Ohio State right now, I think the biggest thing, man, is you look at all these dudes that were balling at a high level here the last couple of years. They're playing in the NFL right now, and eventually that's going to catch up to you. And I think it finally has.
0: Yeah. All right. So moving on now to the other side of the ball, uh, weakness versus weakness, I guess you could say Michigan state's offense versus the Buckeyes defense. What do you expect to see from that? Well, here's the thing. I, I just think when you look at how banged that they are with their two key
1: guys with the and LJ Scott and then mm-hmm. losing, losing some of their, be- uh, one of their better receivers, Felton Davis. Davis. Um, it just offensively, they don't scare you a lot, but it- I think it's more about Ohio state for me and defensively and, and their lack of Uh, consistency all year long because, I mean, let's face it, all these other guys that are going to step on the field for Michigan State, they're on scholarship too. So they're going to be pretty decent players. You're not going to be able to just push them around. Ohio State doesn't have that defense. So I'm going to watch the amount of pass attempts that LaWorke has in this game because I think if they can limit him or if Dino's not confident in him and he doesn't throw the ball 25 to 30 times, I think Ohio State can handle this game because the run game, the guys up front, I still believe in that defensive line on what they can do led by Larry Johnson. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be the big thing for me is how much Lewerke is going to spin the rock and weather permitting too. So I think if this turns into a running style of game for both teams, I think it can favor Ohio state because when you talk about the jet sweeps that we saw Paris Campbell scoring, some of that stuff, they've got explosive athletes. They Mm -hmm. can get on the outside and get to the edge. I think that's how you're going to be able to run the ball a little bit on Sparty. You're not going to be able to run it between the tackles on them a ton. So you got to get on the edges, maybe, offensively for Ohio State, some quick passes. But just getting back to Sparty on their offensive side of the ball, it's a big question mark for me because they've been really inconsistent. I know they've got a lot of injuries, but you just don't know what you're going to get from them. So I'm going to I'm gonna believe that this D-line for Ohio State, uh, led by Draymond Jones right now, and Chase Young, they're going to be able to handle uh, Michigan State's offense. But like I said, it is not going to surprise me at all if uh, for some reason there's a trick play in there and they give up a touchdown or two uh, because of something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, talking about Brian Lewerke like you were, um, do you think if he has a bad start it's possible? I don't know how much you know about Rocky Lombardi, but he yeah. played against Purdue and he looked really good. So I think Look, he's someone that maybe the Buckeyes should be scared of if he doesn't ab- come in. Ab- absolutely,
1: because here's the thing. I watched Rocky play. He came in a couple weeks ago, and he definitely opened up the passing game more than what Lewerke mm-hmm. did. And if you're D'Antonio and that coaching staff, I understand that Lewerke, he's an older guy, and you have to, a lot of times coaches are going to rely on them. But, man, if if Lombardi – can spin the rock at a decent rate and you know that ohio state's weakness is that passing game i think you strongly have to consider uh putting him in there especially if you see early that lewerke's not really humming the Mm -hmm. way you want him to because look let's face it they came down here and got their teeth kicked in 48 to 3 last year They're going to want to do everything possible to win this game and really, really just end Ohio State season. So, no, I think that's a great point that you bring up, man, because if I'm a teammate right now, if I'm on that team in that locker room for Michigan State and I know that we can get Ohio State, I want the best quarterback out there. And look, I think Rocky Lombardi would give them a really good chance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He looked really solid, I thought, in that Purdue game. Um, He definitely was a better passer than Lewerke. Just last week, Lewerke went 11 for 20 for 87 yards and one interception, zero touchdowns against Maryland. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're more of a running running offense, I guess, and more of a run-stop defense. So I think it would probably not favor Ohio State. I know you said it, you think it would have favor Ohio State if it went to a more running-style game. Um, I don't know. I just think it might favor Ohio State more if it's a more of a passing-style game and it doesn't end up snowing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I, what, my point was just more of the –
1: Stuff on the perimeter running Mm -hmm. that way Like Uh, I just don't, I I 100% agree With you, you're not going to run it in the teeth Of that defense, Yeah. I think what you're going to have to do Maybe some option stuff, maybe Pull some guards, pull some of the centers And try to just get outside and get to the Smaller guys, those corners outside and push them around more than the D linemen and the linebackers. No, I agree 100% with you. Ohio State's not going to be able to run the ball up the middle. Mm -hmm. I think you may be able to chip away at them a little bit on the edge. So, no, I'm with you on that, man. It's probably going to be a wrap if you try to run it up the middle. That's not going to be a good look. So, no, I I honestly, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game because of the weather, because of Michigan State's defense, and because of the lack of spark
0: that we've seen from Sparty on offense. Yeah. Yeah, so anything else you want to get out there uh, before – we, oh, uh, no, I'm all up. good,
1: man. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I really appreciate you reaching out, and I wish you the best And anytime, man. Just hit me up, and uh, we can make it happen, all right?
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, uh, maybe before the Michigan game or maybe after the Michigan game. I'll get you on. For sure, man. Just hit me up. All right. Thanks, man. You got it, man. See you. Thanks again to uh, Matty Hayes for coming on from 97.1 The Fan. Uh, so now I want to jump into some other things here in Ohio sports, just kind of preview the weekend ahead. And also, you know, review a few things. Um, We just talked about Ohio State. We talked about the basketball team as well as the football team. Um, We talked about the basketball team last night playing their first game against Cincinnati, and that was a game that I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, We didn't get too in-depth into it with Matt Hayes. So Ohio State, they played Cincinnati last night on the road, 5th-3rd arena. This was Cincinnati's opening night in this new arena. Um, It was the same arena, but it was renovated, really nice. Um, The crowd was pumped. And credit to the Ohio State Buckeyes for going in there and getting a win against a team that most people thought was a better team than them and playing in a tough environment. Um, the crowd was really, really loud. The student section was really solid. So credit to the boys for going in there, getting the win. Um, of course, this is the first matchup between two teams that I cover on my podcast. So that was cool, too. Um, if you're a Cincinnati fan, I'm sorry. As a Ohio State fan, I'm pretty excited about this win. I think this says a lot about this team. Um, the defensive effort was really inspiring. I found myself getting up and cheering during the game so much because I was so excited about the defensive effort. You could just tell um, Chris Holtman really has those guys ready to run through a wall for this team, ready to run through a wall through Ohio State University. You could just tell they love the university. They were singing the fight song after the game in the locker room. and You can just tell Chris Holtman really has these guys bought in, which is exciting. And If you play defense like that all season, then anything can happen. Um, Obviously, they're not going to go on to win the national title or anything crazy, but they play with that much defensive effort they can beat anyone in the country at least on any given night um, so that was really exciting to see CJ Jackson was really solid last night he had the layup that pretty much clinched the game um, they were down they were up four points with about 30 seconds or so left and he made a bucket to make it a six-point lead it was pretty clutch they ran the clock all the way down and then he just took a one-on-one with his guy and just laid it in super nice bucket that pretty much ended the game for uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes Uh, Luther Muhammad, like we talked about, he just has that it factor. He is just a great defender. He's a great trash talker. He's really good at bringing it to the hole. And actually, last night he was shooting jump shots more than he was uh, taking it to the basket, which is not what he's known for. So I guess that's good to see that he can take it. He can shoot really well as well as taking it to the basket and playing really good defense. He got that technical uh, for trash talking, like Matt Hayes said. Uh, someone put a three in his face, and then he came down immediately right back and drained a three right in his face, and he, tra- he d- talked a little bit of trash. Um, Was it worthy of a technical? I guess it depends on what he said. He didn't do anything like taunting or anything. He just kind of looked at him and said something to him, I guess depending on what he says, was whether it was worth a technical or not. So, I don't know what he said, so I can't judge that. But yeah, you like to see that. You like to see a guy who trash talks. He's really got that it factor. He's really going to fire some people up. Um, So that was exciting to see. And Caleb Weston and Kyle Young last night, they were crashing the boards, like I said, with Matt Hayes. They looked really solid. Kyle Young looked really solid. He actually had the most of minutes last night for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So we're going to need him to really fill in well. Uh, filling in for Micah Potter, not just filling in for him. He's probably going to be the starter anyways, but he's going to take even more minutes now that Micah Potter's gone. So that'll be interesting development. See how that goes throughout the season. Caleb Weston looked great last night. He got a ton of offensive rebounds that were clutch. Um, he even got 15 points. So he played really well. Overall, some stats here for you. Luther Muhammad, like I talked about, he had 11 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. Uh, Keyshawn Woods had 5 assists, 4 points, 2 rebounds. Um, he's the transfer from Wake, Wake Forest. He played really well. 5 assists is pretty solid, I think, uh, leading the team in assist. Um, Musa Jala had 2 points, 2 rebounds, although he played really good defense. Andre Wesson, uh, Wesson Brothers, Caleb Wesson's brother. He had six points and two rebounds, and C.J. Jackson led the—actually, no, he did not lead the team. He had 13 points, one assist, zero rebounds, so he was the second leader in points. Caleb Wesson was probably the best player last night, and I think from what I saw, he's probably going to be the best player on this team this coming up year. Um, 15 points, seven rebounds, like I said. Really solid numbers there for Caleb Wesson. So, yeah, I mean, like I said with Matt Hayes, this is a resume kind of building win. This is a win you need because they're probably going to be a bubble team this year. Um, hopefully not hopefully they're higher maybe like a five or a six or seven seed but I think there's a good chance this team's going to be a bubble team so wins like this are huge if you're going to be a bubble team these are resume building wins and that's part of the thing we said with Chris Holtman that I'm excited he's getting these matchups like Ohio State versus Cincinnati because I mean who cares if you beat a team like South Carolina State a team they play in two weeks you know I mean yeah it, it goes in as a win column but at the end of the day, it's not a resume-building win. So why not just put you know four or five of these non-conference games on your schedule? And if you win a few, then that looks good. That looks good for your resume, and it just makes the team better because they're playing good opponents. Um, so now I want to talk about college football. Um, yeah, we talked about Ohio State Michigan State. Previewed that game a little bit, of course. Um, so I won't preview that anymore, but I'll talk a little bit about the top 25 matchups coming up this week in college football. We've got Kentucky, and they're going to Tennessee to Neyland Stadium, uh, to play, to play Tennessee. Kentucky's only six point favorites, believe it or not. Tennessee's four and five, Kentucky's seven and two. Kentucky is the 11th ranked team in the country, but only six point favorites. Um, I think that says a lot about how Vegas views Kentucky and how Vegas fa- views Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's four and five, but they are a pretty solid team. Um, they've had some close games. Um, they played some good teams tough. So TCU travels to West Virginia. West Virginia is Ninth-ranked, and they are 11.5-point favorites versus TCU. Um, UCF plays Navy this week. That should be a win for UCF. They are 12th-ranked. Florida, 15th-ranked Florida, is at home taking on South Carolina. Um, Number 16, Mississippi State, actually travels to number one, Alabama. Alabama is 24-point favorites. I would book Alabama to cover that. Um, We saw what they just did to LSU, a much better team. I think Mississippi State's a little overrated, especially at 16. Um, I think a lot of the SEC is overrated in general, besides Alabama. Alabama's amazing, no doubt. But, yeah, so 16th-ranked Mississippi State tra- traveling to Alabama. It's one of those games that looks good for the TV, uh, TV previews and ads and commercials, but it's going to be a game that will probably be a blowout. So. Um, Oklahoma State travels to Oklahoma. So the Battle of the Oklahoma Teams. Oklahoma is 20.5-point favorites. Uh, but we've seen Oklahoma State can pull off some upsets. They did it against Texas, a Texas team that beat Oklahoma. So you never know there. Washington State travels to Colorado. Washington State is six-point favorites. Northwestern, uh, that's a Big Ten game. We'll get into that later. Baylor is traveling to Iowa State, number 22-ranked 20, uh, Iowa State. They are 14.5-point favorites. Auburn plays Georgia, a pretty big-time matchup. Number 24, Auburn versus number 5, Georgia. Um, That's one of the few ranked versus ranked matchups this week. Florida State travels to Notre Dame, and um, yes, Florida State's been bad this year. Yes, Notre Dame has been great this year, but this game got a little bit more interesting um, a few hours ago when they ruled Notre Dame's starting quarterback, Ian Book, out for this game. I'm not sure what's going on there, but yes, they have a good backup in Brandon Winbush, but Ian Book being out is going to be a big detriment to them. We saw with Brandon Winbush starting earlier this year when they played teams like a Florida State, it was close games, so. You never know what we could see here. Um LSU after that tough, tough loss to Alabama, is traveling to Arkansas to play them. Seventh ranked LSU, that is. 19th ranked Texas, uh, six and three, traveling to Texas Tech, five and four Texas Tech. Um, Texas is two point favorites there. Um Clemson versus Boston College. This is on ABC, 8 p.m. This is the game of the week. Um game day will be in Boston College. This is a game I'm really excited for. Number two ranked Clemson. Traveling to number 17th, ranked Boston College. Um, Boston College is a really solid team, led by A.J. Dillon. Great running back. I'll be interested to see what they can do. Clemson are tw- um 20-point favorites. So. Vegas is expecting a blowout. I am not. I think Boston College will put up a fight. And if you're a high state fan, of course, you want to see Boston College win that game. You want to see Florida State beat Notre Dame. Um, you want to see Colorado beat Washington State. You want to see Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. Um, stuff like that. So now moving on. To the Big Ten. So let's get some Big Ten things here. Um, in the Big Ten, obviously Ohio State, Michigan State. We talked about that. Wisconsin travels to Penn State. A matchup of two teams that you thought at this point in the season would have been a lot better than where they are. Both teams are 6-3. and three. Illinois takes on Nebraska. Maryland takes on Indiana. Michigan takes on Rutgers. Michigan is 40-point favorites. Northwestern takes on Iowa. And what is a game that will be extremely important for... Uh, The Big Ten West race, that game's on Fox. Iowa is 10.5-point favorites. And then Purdue versus Minnesota. Oh, Actually, sorry, i got to go back to this. Iowa is 10.5-point favorites. Um, Even though they're playing Northwestern, who's leading the Big Ten West, I kind of just noticed how crazy that is. Uh, Yes, Iowa's a good team, and I do think they are better than Northwestern, even though Northwestern is leading the Big Ten. But that's still a crazy line. That will be interesting on my other podcast tomorrow when I do lines with my good friend JT. And then Minnesota's at home taking on Purdue. Um Purdue's twelve point favorites. That has potential to be a pretty solid game. So yeah, moving on from college football. Now I wanted to talk about the Blue Jackets and the Cavs. Um the Blue Jackets played, I think, two nights ago, they played the Dallas Stars. Um and they won four one at home in nationwide arena. It was a really good win for the Blue Jackets. Um I think one of the takeaways that a lot of people had was this is probably the most complete game that these Blue Jackets that the Blue Jackets have played so far um we've seen a lot of games where they come out and they struggle in the first period and then they get it back late and maybe charge a comeback or they start out really well and they let another team come back this is a game where they started well they played well throughout the whole game and Dallas Stars never really had a chance to win this one um they win 4-1 in Nationwide Arena let's see who the goal scores here were what were sorry <laughs> um Anthony Duclair gets a goal Nick Felino, the captain gets a goal um Ryan Murray and Marcus Nutavara both get goals um, yeah, so a really solid game for the Blue Jackets. They looked really well. Um, Nick Foligno's kind of coming into form. The captain, he's been playing really well lately. So great game for the Blue Jackets. A good 4-1 win there. Uh, moving on to the Cavs. I think since my last podcast, they've played one game, and that game was last night. Um, I watched a little bit of this game. They lost in the queue at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder 95-86. to The Cavs are now 1-10. The Oklahoma City Thunder have now won six straight, and they're 6-4. and um yeah, so another loss for the Cavaliers. Um I think I'm gonna make this a pro tank show now. So I guess in a way, this is a this is a win for the Cavs. They lost, which means they're one loss closer to getting either RJ Barrett or uh Zion Williamson. So <laughs> I don't wanna make it like that, but it is. Um one of the big takeaways from this game, Colin Sexton. Um this is the first game since everything came out about him and the veterans and veterans saying that he doesn't know how to play basketball and he had a good game. Um three quarters through he had fifteen points. He was really trash talking the other team, driving at the team and kinda he's probably the best player last night, so good on him for uh coming out and doing that after everything that happened with the veterans calling him out and stuff like that. Um the Cavaliers they take on the Bulls Saturday. Um that is in Chicago. That'll be the only game before my next podcast. Um crap. I did, forgot to talk about the Blue Jackets in their upcoming game. Let me pull that up real quick if you don't mind. The Blue Jackets, like I said, they just beat the Stars, and now they go out to Washington to take on the Stanley Cup defending champions, Washington Capitals. That is tomorrow at 7 p.m. They also play the Rangers at home in Nationwide Arena, 7 p.m. on Saturday. So both of those games will be played before my next podcast, so I'll get into those as well before my next one. Um, So now jumping into the NFL, so we'll talk a little bit about the Browns versus the Falcons a little bit about the Bengals versus the Saints and then uh talk about the whole NFL as, as a whole talk a little bit of pre- a, do a little bit of a preview of the whole NFL so um first the Browns um biggest takeaway from this game or at least looking into this game is that these are two teams trending in opposite directions the Browns have lost four straight now i want to say the Falcons have won four or five straight they're playing really well beating good teams uh, the Browns don't look that good so this has potential to be a blowout. I don't think it will be. I don't think the Falcons are anywhere near as good as the Chiefs. Um, so I think the Browns can keep this game close, especially still with all the momentum from firing Hugh Jackson and having that interim head coach effect with Greg Williams. So Talking about Greg Williams, will he continue to be aggressive? We saw it last week. He went for two. All three times they scored touchdowns. Got caught chasing points a little bit, or maybe he just is going to go for two every time they score a touchdown. Um, he also went forward on fourth down a lot. So... Will he continue to go for it on fourth down a lot as he did in that game? That'll be interesting to see. Um, He's a very aggressive coach and he's aggressive minded play caller. So that'll be interesting to see if he continues to do that even in a important Falcons game here. Um, How does the defense stop the Falcons prolific offense? Honestly, I have no clue how we're going to do this. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, uh, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. Um, They're going to be really solid. They're obviously really solid players and this is going to be a tough game for this defense. Uh, Denzel Ward, Joe Schobert, Joe Christian Kirksey, all those players were out last week or out at least during certain parts of the game last week, so will they be back? Um, according to most of the reports, all those players should be back. Um, they're all kind of probable right now, but they should be back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them ended up being out for this game, but it's going to Denzel Ward will be big. Um, obviously, Matt Ryan's a great quarterback. Like I said, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, great wide receivers, so... The Browns are going to want to stop players like that, and if they can, they're going to need players like Denzel Ward, so hopefully he plays for the Browns. Um, Bengals play the Saints. That is in New Orleans. Um, could it be a little bit of a letdown game for the Saints? I'm not sure. You don't see that as much in the NFL. Um, actually, the Bengals are at home here, sorry. Uh, the Bengals are at home, so that helps. Uh, the Saints will have to travel all the way up here to Cincinnati in what will probably be a cold day that day. They're used to playing in their dome, but... This is still a Saints team that's 7-1. They just beat the Rams, who most people thought were the best team in the NFL. Now some people think the Saints are the best team in the NFL. They're up there with the Chiefs and the Rams and the Patriots. Um, they're taking on a Bengals team, a Bengals team that has been very solid this year, no doubt. But this is going to be a tough game for them. They're going to have to stop uh, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. We saw what he did last week to the Rams. So this is going to be a tough game for the Bengals. Um, I guess i got to give my predictions. I kind of forgot to do that with the Browns. I'll say the Browns uh, lose. I'm not sure what the spread is, but I would assume that they'll cover the spread. I think it'll be a closer game. I think the Browns will play them tough, but they'll still lose. It's still the Falcons, a team with a lot to play for, and a team that's just better than the Browns. So I'll say the Browns lose maybe anywhere from 3 to 10 points. And then with the Bengals, um, it's going to be tough for them to stop this offense. I don't think they're really going to be able to. It's going to help that they're in Cincinnati, like I said, but I'll say the Bengals similarly lose somewhere 3 to 10 points. They'll keep it close, but the Saints are just a better team. They'll find a way to pull it out. I'm looking at the NFL as a whole here now. Let's see. Um, Today is Thursday. Yes, so Thursday night football, actually, the Steelers, AFC North team, they take on the Panthers at home. That's going to be a big game for the Steelers there in Heinz Field. Um, The Panthers are a good team. It's going to be a tough team to beat. So, The Redskins, they travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Uh, The Cardinals take on the Chiefs. That is going to be, wow, uh, that's going to be a blowout. One of the worst teams in the NFL versus one of the best. Uh, the Jets play the Bills. I know Sam Darnold's out for this game taking on the Bills, so that could be a shit show of a game to watch. Um, the Colts are at home taking on the Jaguars. Um, the Lions head to Chicago to take on the Bears. The Bears are leading their division, they're looking really solid right now. Saints Bengals, like I said, uh, Patriots take on the Titans. That could be a good game. It's in Tennessee too, so it ha- makes it that much more potential to be a good game. Browns-Falcons, like we talked about. Um, Raiders are at home taking on the Chargers. You'd assume the Chargers will win that game. Rams at home versus Seahawks. Um, this game was just played a few weeks ago. It was a good game. Now we played this time in Los Angeles. The Packers are at home taking on the Dolphins. The Eagles are at home taking on the Cowboys. The 49ers at home, Monday Night Football, taking on the Giants. A really rough game there for Monday Night Football. Um, so that's pretty rough for ESPN there. 49ers, I think 1-8 and eight or 1-9, and nine, taking on the 1-8 or... One of nine Giants, whatever they are. Um, yeah, so I'll do it for the NFL preview. The final thing I really have here is just talk a little bit about the crew versus the Red Bulls. This is a game I'm extremely excited for. The crew obviously won the first leg at home 1-0, so they gave up no, go- no away goals to the Red Bulls. So they're up 1-0, but they also have that advantage of not giving up an away goal. So when the crew go to New York, uh, actually New Jersey... <laughs> Um, to take on the Red Bulls this Sunday, one of the main things I'll be looking for is, can the crew get that goal? If the crew get an away goal, then they'll be up, um, let's just say they get the away goal first, let's just say they score the first goal, they're up 1-0 on the road, they have an away goal, then they'd be up 2-0, but also if the Red Bulls came back and scored two goals, it'd be 2-2, but the crew would have the advantage because they have that away goal. Um, That means that if the crew do score a goal this game, the Red Bulls are going to need three goals, and I don't think the crew would give up three goals, so I think if the crew find a way to get that away goal, I think they're definitely going to move on, and if they do move on, they're going to be beating the best team um, in MLS history point w- points-wise in the um, MLS regular season this season, so if they can beat the Red Bulls in a two-legged playoff, then I think they can beat anyone, so that's really exciting. Um, yeah, so a big game for the crew. Overall, thanks to uh, Matt Hayes for coming on, and thanks for everyone to. Thanks. Thank you to everyone for listening to Ohio versus the World.